and welcome to Spillatea. I'm your host, Ryan, and this week I'm joined by... Matthew. How are you, Matthew? Good. This week, we're going to talk about the harmful effects of drugs and alcohol on your mental health. So, I know young people aren't really as knowledgeable about drugs and alcohol, but from what I've learned so far through this course, there's a lot of severe impacts that drugs and alcohol can have on not only your mental health, but your physical health. Our next guest is going to talk about some of the harmful effects of drugs and alcohol on your mental health. Hello, Claire here. Um, I'm joined by Hayden and Rain to interview Caitlin Graydon about the effects of alcohol mental health. So, Caitlin, tell us a bit about yourself. Well, hello, I'm Caitlin. I'm 26 now. I live in Derry. I live with my husband, Gary, and we have two dogs, which I love very much. They're called Zach and Cody. I work in a primary school as a special needs classroom assistant. Um, So basically I started drinking whenever I was about 12, which was very young. And I stopped drinking almost two years ago now. Uh, In April, it'll be two years. I I actually have a YouTube channel. It's uh, The Sweet Life of Caitlin and Gary. I actually started that in lockdown, which was whenever I started my sobriety journey as well it was that channel was sort of about my journey and trying to help people even if it's just one person and I have a wee Instagram page as well diary of a sober lady um and that's the same it's just like sharing my experience with drugs and alcohol um and trying to help the people that live in Derry because there's a lot of issues here in this town with alcohol and drugs and I just thought it would be a nice way to share my story and possibly to help people as well who are on theirs. I was having issues for a long time drinking as I started whenever I was 12 like it was kind of getting to the point where I was thinking I was an alcoholic um I never called myself an alcoholic until I went to an Alcoholics Anonymous class and then they told me I was an alcoholic and I was a bit in denial which I think is true for a lot of people who struggle with alcohol they don't believe that they're an alcoholic or that they have an issue until they do and then they have to believe it so I think I sort of hit rock bottom my husband Gary actually actually saved my life uh, many times um whenever I was drinking and uh it got too bad and I was thrown up and then I nearly died uh literally and if I was on my own I probably would have so the drinking got to that point where I was gonna actually die if I didn't stop is the way that I was thinking about it. My relationships were being really badly affected and I didn't want to ruin my relationships with people. I didn't want to lose my husband and lose my friends and family because I was basically choosing alcohol over them. I started drinking whenever I was 12 because the friend group I had were older than me. For a while it was just like every now and then I was drinking and I was always afraid to get caught. It was kind of the thrill of it more than anything. But then whenever it became legal and I was I was 18 I was drinking a lot I ended up developing depression and anxiety and then I was drinking to escape reality so I was drinking because I was depressed and then I was depressed because I was drinking one of the massive things about it that made me stop is that my memory was really not great of like any of my life <laughs> up until now um I forget a lot of my teenage years don't really remember anything about it because my memory is so badly affected and the past two years now I have like an abundance of amazing memories that I've made from whenever I quit so that's a wee bit about my journey so far. So um what advice would you give to young people that would be like peer pressure on the drinking by like their maybe friends or whatever? 
Um, well, that is sort of a situation I was in because I was like 12, which is very young. And at that age, you do, you look up to people who are older than you and you think that they know everything. <laughs> um, and these people were 15, 16, and I thought they were adults and they knew best and that they were looking after me. I sort of thought they're not going to let any harm come to me like they're these older people and I just trusted them I think and they were like oh just taste it it's it's just a wee bit and you'll be all right they were really bad people to be around to be honest um a lot of them were amazing friends and I still am friends with some of them now but there were some of them who were definitely peer pressure me um I think what I would say is just try and be aware of who your good friends are who you have really good relationships with and who you trust also, if you can, try and be close with your parents and talk to them and ask them questions and don't be afraid of what they're going to say back. If you think something might be wrong or if some, one of your friends is drinking and you think maybe they shouldn't be, then you can talk to your parents and don't be afraid that they're going to tell you off because I think I was a bit afraid of that. I was like, I don't want to lose my friends, but I also don't think that this should be happening. So I think if I could go back now, I would probably not listen to the people who I wasn't wasn't so close to just because I thought they know everything because they're older and I would probably listen to my actual friends who weren't drinking because they were the same age as me and they thought I was about mad. Um, I wish I had have listened to them. But also just know yourself what you want to do because you have your own conscience inside you and you have your own sense of what's right and wrong and what you think is good for yourself if you feel like something's not right don't do it because you know yourself better than anybody and also if you feel pressured and you know that you feel pressured just walk away from that situation and they're not the type of people that you want to be around because real friends will never expect you to or want you to do anything that you don't want to do even if it's just for a laugh or anything like that, they won't expect you to do anything you don't want to because they should love you for who you are. So next question, uh, how can you kind of find the signs or identify signs of addiction? Um, so it's different for everybody, I think. Um, but for me, it was choosing like alcohol over everything else. Like if somebody said, oh, do you want to go to the farm this weekend and then someone else was like do you want to go out and get drunk I would probably go out and get drunk another thing is like that you would be sort of um you don't really care a while lot about other people not that you don't care about them you sort of um you become a bit more selfish and you might like this isn't really from my experience but I have a close very close family member who was a very huge addict um drug addict my brawler he actually passed away uh in november he stole a lot from people he would have stole from my daddy and he stole my ipod and he stole my phone and stole my laptop everything to sell it no to get money for drugs um it was very selfish in that way um obviously i've put that all behind me now like i forgive him for everything um and you have to do that with people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol you do you really have to be so forgiven because they will do awful things to you the many times i've been in fights with gary my husband whenever i was drinking or just after drinking and fighting with him and i was so selfish and just didn't really care about what he was saying or anything I just wanted to have my drink and that's what I wanted because it was my escape so I think that's another sign of addiction is becoming really selfish signs in yourself is that you feel like you can't live without that thing I would have been so against 
stopping to drink. There was times that Gary had to basically pretend he was filling my drink up with alcohol whenever really he was just putting on mixer like so he would just put the little water in and not any alcohol and not tell me because it would have got to the point where I would have been like angry at him like for not giving me the drink or because I just wanted to keep drinking and drinking I didn't want to stop so in order to protect me which is what I done he then done that and changed the drink without me knowing which now I'm obviously grateful for how does drinking actually like affect your mental health and like how much for me I was I became really depressed um, and reliant on alcohol to feel any type of happiness. <laughs> but it was like a fake happy. Sometimes when I was drinking, something would upset me and then I would go on to a whole crying thing. Um, but basically, because I was drinking so much, I became really depressed. I was feeling sick all the time and I was always tired, like always tired 24-7. My anxiety was really bad. I was like, I had the worst beer fear so every time I was drinking I was waking up and being like what did I do last night what did I say last night did I offend somebody was I fighting with people like it, it was just always going through my head my anxiety was so bad um so because I was having issues with like relationships because I was drinking a lot uh that affected my mental health as well I was feeling really lonely and secluded and just at a really low point how do you feel like your sobriety journey's benefited your mental health and what changes do you think it's made to your life in general? It has impacted my life massively. So I actually have memories of the past two years, some amazing memories that I will cherish forever. My sleep has got better. I, I was insomniac the whole time I was shrinking. I can sleep properly now. My depression and anxiety has got a lot easier. So... It's really affected my mental health positively in that way. I'm just a happier person overall. Like my moods are always far better. My relationships are better. Everything's just better. And physically as well. Like I have this app on my phone. Uh, it's called Easy Quit Drinking. If anyone wants to download it. And it tells you like all about your physical health. Like literally everything's like nearly back to normal now. Um, I've reduced my chances of stroke and heart attack. I'm just, I'm really happy that I've done this. Like sometimes it's hard, but... It's worth it. Well, thank you anyways to Caitlin. And uh, we'll get back to, with the rest of the podcast now. Thank you. That was a good interview, Caitlin. Next, we have Gary Rutherford from Arc Fitness. He helps people recover from addictions through fitness. So we'll go to Gary now. Hey, it's me, Erin. And today I'm here with... Evelyn. Hi. Today we are interviewing Gary Rutherford. And he owns Arc Fitness. So do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and your business? My name is Gary. I am many things. I am a mental health nurse, registered mental health nurse. I know I don't look like one. I am a addiction nurse therapist. I am a personal trainer, hence the cool hat and the funny socks. Um, <laughs> I'm a husband, I'm a father, and I'm the owner of Arc Fitness. And it's an addiction recovery service that's based here in Derry, stroke Londonderry. And we work specifically with people who are in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction or substance abuse. That's a little bit about who I am. I'm actually also a person on long-term recovery. So I struggled with addiction for about 15 years before I got clean and sober and started ARC based on my own experiences to help other people. So what makes ARC Fitness different? So what makes us different? Okay, so first and foremost, we are a gym environment specifically for people who are struggling with substances. So we're not open to the general public. We work with people who are struggling and we work with family members of people who are struggling. 
So we use physical activity. So we use fitness as a way to help people get physically and emotionally stronger on their road to recovery and then help them as well with therapy and with counselling and lots of other things socially as well. Um, a lot of the people who work there are in recovery, which is also a really interesting thing because they've also experienced it. They've experienced addiction. They know how easy it can happen. They know how hard it is to come out of it. So they can really help and support other people. But also, it's just a really encouraging place. Like, we're so open and, you know, we, there's no judgment on me except everybody because addiction can happen to anybody. Um, nobody asks to become addicted to something. Nobody chooses that. It just happens. And we see that all the time. Um, I didn't. Like, I was a young guy. I was bullied at school. And I used drugs and alcohol to cope with that sort of stuff. But the reality for me, what I used to cope, then became the problem for a long time. So it's a really special place because we help and support so many people. Um, we see people getting fit. We see people getting healthy. We see people, you know, families coming back together. Um, so it's a really, really special thing to see. And um, how does it help the recovery of drugs and alcohol? So whenever somebody is addicted to something, right, it takes up a lot of time and energy and effort, right? So... You imagine if you spend most of your day looking for a drink or a drug, right? And then you stop. You have a big hole to fill. So you have a lot of things. So you need to fill up your time. You need to start doing things that are healthy. You need to do things that are going to start building up your physical health, your mental health. You need to do things together in a community with other people who are treating as well. They start building those connections back up. So it's really important because it gives people back all the things addiction takes away. Self-esteem, self-confidence and self-worth. But also, people who are struggling with addiction, you know, their physical health takes a big dent. Their mental health takes a big impact. So it starts that process of regenerating again, you know. And then we, you know, the benefits of mental or addiction and mental health is, you know, that feel-good factor that was on those things about the serotonin and all that. Starting to just make people feel good about themselves again um, is really important. So it gives people structure. It gives people access to fitness. Gives people access to support and other people. Do you work with like young people my age as well as older people, or is it just? Like... Um, we just did a program for a school um, in Derry, so we took individuals who were aged between fourteen and sixteen who were actively using drugs, who had either been oh. suspended or were on a reduced timetable from school. So we worked intensely with them for six weeks, four days a week. The school brought them to us and brought them back. Um, so we do a lot of work with schools and a lot of the work that we focus on is working on resilience, self-esteem, self-worth and self-confidence, right? Because if you have a lot of young people who are strong enough and confident enough to say no where they make good choices, then the chances of them falling into those pitfalls are a lot less. In what ways or forms can addiction happen to people? It can happen quite easily, okay? Um, so we talk about risk factors, right? Because not everybody in the world is going to get addicted to things, right? But there are risk factors, the same way as somebody might have risk factors for diabetes or something, right? So one of those things is, you know, your your genetic makeup, okay? So scientifically, they're saying there's about a 50% chance that if it's in the genes or in the family, then you're at risk to becoming addicted to a substance, okay? So that's a risk factor. And then also, if you suffer from mental health problems, you have a higher risk, and again, this risk factor of becoming addicted on something as well. And then environment plays a massive part. So say, for example, you're in a home and there's a lot of alcohol use or you're, you know, you're, you're witnessing a lot of that at home and it's around you and the circles that you're in and it's around you, you have a higher chance of becoming addicted because it's around you. So there's loads of different factors. Age, the age that you start using has a massive part to play. So 
as young people, your your brain, there's a part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex. This is where the science comes in, right? Your prefrontal cortex, which is in here in the front, and it doesn't fully develop until you're 25. So if you start using drugs and alcohol, 14, 15, there's 10 years worth of damage being done to the part that's not really developing yet. So what happens is then you get a lot of younger people now with mental health problems or that lack of coping abilities and emotional intelligence moving forward, all right? Because the front part of your brain is like your braking system for like risk taking. So not everybody who drinks and, and takes drugs becomes addicted, but there are a lot of people um, who can do. And trauma is a big thing. So trauma is a, a word that people use a lot. Um, and for some people, there can be um, this big trauma. And you can see it, it could be like a major car accident or something really profound has happened. But then there's other things, and I think they're equally as important. And now they call them micro traumas, or like the little things that happen along the way. But they build up and they build up and they build up and they build up. So say, you know, maybe mum and dad split up, and then you go to school and maybe you get bullied, and then maybe something else happens and it's, it grows and it grows, and you have to find a way to cope and manage that. And if you don't have the coping mechanism, I didn't. I didn't have the coping mechanisms to be to deal with bullying, um, feeling different feeling that, you know, there must be something wrong with me because I'm being bullied at school and other people aren't. So then you carry that on. So I had to find a way to feel good. And unfortunately for me, that was alcohol. And then it became drugs. And then it became the friend group. So then I wanted to be accepted by people. And then it was people pleasing. And then I carried that into my adult life. So although I was 21, 22, 23, I still wasn't really that emotionally intelligent. I still had all those issues. And if you don't deal with them then, at some point, you're going to have to deal with it, which is why it's really important to have really good people around you. And a lot of the work that we do in schools, we talk about choices, right? And I think whenever we talk to the young people, we think that they have no power because they're young, but you have so much more power than you think because you have a choice. Yes or no is a massive power. You can choose who's in your life, mostly. You can choose the people that you want to be around. You can choose the, to use drugs or not use drugs. You always have a choice, and with choice comes power. And I think I just wasn't really aware of that when I was younger. I feel like it really relies on the people that you surround yourself with at school and outside of school as well. Yeah. If you're surrounding yourself with people that are going to maybe smoke or vape or drink, then you're going to end up smoking or vaping or drinking. I know people like that. Yeah. Uh, that surround and themselves with them and they're, yeah. not, they're not good. Like. Yeah, there's, there's people that I know that do that too, but it's like hard to stop when yeah, you hard. start doing it yeah, it's kind of hard to even to stop yourself when they're asking yes. you because it's peer, peer pressure peer pressure and that's the really difficult part about the, the age group that you guys are at right because you're trying to find your social fit and you're trying to find your friend groups and your, your identities and all that sort of stuff so it's almost really important to feel as part of something but it's equally as important to be true to yourself and this is why it's important that the people around you are really encouraging supportive they'll tell you the tough stuff they'll tell you when you're being a pain in the butt like <laughs> That's good. Okay. You don't want to hear it all the time, like, but it is it's good to get that as well. Um and and the, the people that also, if you're struggling, that you feel that you can talk to, that will listen and help you and support you. And I think the the groups that you make now at this age are so, so, so important. This is a really defining age for you guys. To see you guys in doing here, see doing something like this is mind blowing for me because for me, this age, I just saw off licenses and fields and blue bags. And not a lot of opportunity. So to see something like this is really, really good. So to be involved in things is really important. To do too as well, you were mm. saying, it helped me a lot. I, I joined this... P7 and then stopped going. And then I saw the drop-in that's on every yeah. Friday. And I was like, oh, I really want to go with that again. Yeah. Brilliant. And the summer camp they have. And I started the podcast from 
from there. Yeah, yeah and it here helped. helps so much because I dance in here, I do the youth work in here. Mm. It's really helpful because the people in here are so open about things like that and they will help you if you need to uh, be helped. It's mad how much it helped. I thought uh, it would just be like a youth club that I go to because yeah, other youth clubs, yeah. it's the same people going and uh, here it's just completely different. Like, I think it's mad. what's really yeah. encouraging here, so I have a four-year-old daughter and people know her in here and she goes to drama and she goes to dance and we bring her here and she just loves it, right? And it makes my heart so happy to see her loving something but to be at that young age involved in something that's so welcoming and encouraging and nice is really, for me, you know, as somebody who has a massive fear of like, oh, what's going to be like in the future? Yeah. For her to start being involved in that now is really important. Thanks, Gary, for coming in, being on the podcast and talking about it, talking about the thing you do. Um, see you later. Thank you very much. My pleasure, girls. She's done really well. Thank you. All right, everybody. It's time for your favourite segment, Just for Laughs. This week we're going to be playing Mimic That Noise. Welcome to Just For Laughs, it's Car here and today I'm joined by Summer and Reese, and we're going to be playing Mimic That Noise. Right, so the rules of this game is someone's going to use an object, they make a noise and someone has to mimic it with their mouth. So I'm going to go first. This is the sound of a can. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so I did nothing like it, but... Yeah. Reese here. I'm going to go next. This is the sound of a kazoo. I was thinking there was going to be a whistle and he could just whistle, but that was not what I was expecting. <laughs> Car here, and I'm gonna know. I'm gonna go next and attempt to mimic the noise of keys rattling. That's how it sounds. Why did you do that? Have a go. Hit the table or something. Right, so I'm gonna have another go. This is the sound of paper. <laughs> Reese is my name. I'm good at this game. I'm gonna mimic a ball bouncing. Bang, but not like. <laughs> <laughs> That one was close enough. Yeah, so it's <laughs> easy ones compared to me and Carol. A kazoo, a kazoo's not easy. You went dun 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 dun, and you and had a dog. This is Kara, and this time I'm gonna attempt to mimic the sound of a plastic bottle. <laughs> Whenever you hear it, it does sound like it. <laughs> Thanks for listening there, just for laugh section. I hope you're as easily entertained as we are. I won. No, we didn't. I won. Reese did not win. Because Reese got the easiest ones. And, Cara, and ours no. was so difficult. Cara actually won this. Summer like, won 100%. No, I was very good. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Word of the Week. 
This week's word of the week is kiaf. A kiaf is a house and is a common slang term used in Derry City. An example is, did you see that? That's a lovely looking wee kiaf. Thank you for listening to Word of the Week. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Next week we'll be learning about bullying and social media. We'll chat at the end. Bye.